0: Dave what's going on today on the what difference does it make podcast?
1: today's gonna be another great day Dave we're talking to another Dave and a Dave from radio which we love love love
0: that's what we do here we've used this podcast as an excuse to talk to friends And so this is one of your good uh, friend from a long time ago, from what I understand, correct? Tell me who your friend is.
1: I met Dave Bezing many, many years ago before he landed at The Sound when he was a consultant for Jacobs Media. I've always admired him. He's a a genuine radio guy. He's a nice guy and he loves radio and he's really great at what he does, as you will hear throughout the podcast, right?
0: Right. And you you knew him because you were a fan from when. Oh, well, he worked at The Sound and now he is a podcaster like us. He puts together branding podcasts and done pretty well with himself, uh, kind of uh, a reinvent like like us trying to reinvent ourselves and Dave has been very successful doing this.
1: His company Sound that Brands produces podcasts for big brands. Terrific.
0: And then we're going to also see what he thinks about songs played in 1987 from the world-famous K-Rock. We're counting them down, 106.7 to number one in 10-song chunks. Dave Beezing gets songs 80 to 71, and we'll hear what he has to say about that. We're also going to hear about his career, and we're going to hear a little bit about social media with What Difference Does It Make, right? Indeed. We
1: talked with Dave Beezing for a long time. So you'll see some of the outtakes from the interview on uh, YouTube at what difference does it make podcast and other social media at W D D I M podcast. And Dave is funny and has a way of telling stories.
0: Yes, he does. So if you're enjoying what you hear, please like, and subscribe and give us those five stars. We also have a newsletter that you could subscribe to on our website, W-D-D-I-M-Podcast.com, which stands for What Difference Does It Make Podcast. -podcast W-D-D-I-M-Podcast.com. So enough yammer-yammer. Shall we get into this right now? Let's do it. Okay. All right. This is Dave Beezing on the What Difference Does It Make Podcast. There you go. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Dave.
2: What's happening?
0: Nice to see you. Nice to be seen. My Aunt Jane, one of her favorite podcasts is What Difference Does It Make? But... In a conversation, she said she also loves Trader Joe's. What makes Trader Joe's podcast so special? I was kind of fascinated that she was interested in a supermarket. So as a a company like Sound of Brand, what do you think makes it so special?
2: I think that it's Trader Joe's, number one. It's, It's that brand is so beloved. It always finishes top two or three, if not number one, in any sort of a brand reputation survey in the U.S. By the way... That brand name is Clickbait. Whenever they put out a new podcast, it gets written up by so many sites from People Magazine to Today Show to whatever, because if they put on their homepage, here's an article about something going on at Trader Joe's, click through and it'll quote from the podcast and all of that sort of a thing. They know that it'll get those click throughs. But it's a great brand. The hosts are internal people at Trader Joe's who have been worked with but they they're great talents to begin with they're marketing people at Trader Joe's and they record 3 hours or so to get a 25 minute episode so much editing and that's what makes a nutrition label interesting is that there's a human quality that comes out when you're just sitting there job about whatever and finding those moments and having a great sense of humor about everything, it it makes it really pleasant to listen to.
1: So looking at branded podcasts that you don't produce, Trader Joe's has the brand and like you say, it's clickbait, but it's also a good, you know, it's fun to listen to. They're interesting. You know, they're giving you some, you know, good information.
2: Well, you know, Nordstrom does a good one and um, we don't have anything to do with that one. Pete Nordstrom, who I think is the, great-grandson of the founder and is now CEO, hosts it. He's very likable, not slick or polished at all, and nobody really wants that these days anyway. He's very earnest and admits that he's not a professional podcast host or broadcaster or any of those things, but he does a nice job of interviewing people that are interesting to him. If I had one thing to advise them about, and they're not asking me, unfortunately, It would be that sometimes I think Pete's spectrum of guests is very wide and that puts the podcast in direct competition with every other interview podcast out there. Whereas if you could focus on something that Nordstrom is known for, let's say you made it the podcast about customer service, great one-on-one customer service or something like that, that is the Nordstrom brand, then I think it, it would... Do two things. It would enhance the reputation of Nordstrom in those specific brand image areas. And it would also be very entertaining and not be in direct competition with everybody else that wants to interview a a US women's soccer player or whatever.
1: I love that this whole thing came into you know is is at the forefront. It, just another way of not just, but another way of marketing. Are the, are brands coming to you now? Are you pitching? Do you have a list of brands that you are, are pitching that you would like to have?
2: We're always getting referrals, and that's really it. I don't have any outbound marketing. Some of the podcasts we do are very discreet about not wanting our name all over it because it's their podcast and I get that. It's all referral and we probably are not as busy as we would be if we had somebody shaking trees, knocking on doors, cold calling, building relationships with more ad agencies and CMOs out there. But it's a very long sell cycle to sell these things. It's usually not top priority. In the marketing department, it often comes from when it's a big company and they have several divisions. It comes from the branding department as opposed to the marketing and advertising department because it's not a how are we going to make the quarter type investment. But there are ways to measure the results and prove that if you can get somebody to listen to it, which requires promotion and some investment, it has a huge impact on that listener's Opinion of the brand, if it's done well. I'm blessed to be able to work with some great clients and great people who get it. They realize that if they build a brand, they don't have to worry as much quarter by quarter about putting the sales over the top in a short-term way.
0: As I was looking at your CV, it sound, I mean, we're looking at 1987. Was that about the same year you started in radio or around that time? No, or?
2: I wish. Uh, no, <laughs> the actual start would have been... 1977 as a part-time guy on the local station in Nebraska. And I was in high school at the time. My dad ran the local grain elevator. So the farmers would buy feed and seed from him, but they would also come in and, and at harvest time, they would sell truckloads of wheat and corn and Milo and beans and whatever to my dad, basically, his company. And he would, like anybody playing any stock market sort of a thing, he would, on the grain futures, he would try to buy low, sell high. He'd give them a, a fair price, competitive price with what others, th- where they could take it, would pay. But then he'd hang on to it for a long time in the big silos and figure out when was the right time to put it on the, in a railroad car and, and sell it to Pillsbury or Quaker Oats or mm-hmm. whoever. So, He ripped the wire every day because he had a good, reliable minute-by-minute reading of what the grain futures market was doing. He would rip the wire at his office with a big teletype, and on his way home for lunch each day, he would stop at the local radio station and do the farm market report. On a small station in a small town, he was the only constant through a couple of decades on that station. Everybody else, the talent would kind of come and go. It would be kids out right out of Brown Institute of Broadcasting in Minneapolis or wherever, making, if they're lucky, $600 a month. But he would be the guy that they heard all the time. And we had, I remember at my house, I found it, he had um, helped me that I didn't find something else when I was snooping around, but I found the bedroom dresser drawer full of jokes out of the back of Life Magazine and Boy's Life, I think it was, <laughs> Boy's Life Magazine, the scouting magazine, and 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 uh, plays, Reader's Digest was a big one, and he would collect all of these stupid jokes, and at the end of every one of his market reports, he would do a joke. So he was known as by people that didn't even care as much about grain futures, although everybody in that town did, as the guy that would tell a great joke each day right before the big noon news report. So I guess what I learned from him is, I mean, not only did he get me a help, get me a job in the radio station when I was in high school, but I learned how to use media like that to humanize A brand. I mean, he was the face of that business in that town. And he would walk along down the street or go to the grocery store or whatever. And he was a a little local celebrity. And people would joke with him about the joke that he told on the radio. And it was actually very brilliant what he did from an advertising and marketing standpoint. He got a good grain report, which he wouldn't have gotten from the kids at the radio station that, that didn't even have the teletype that would give them the info. But he also really humanized the brand and made himself a a local celebrity. He actually learned that from when he was growing up on a farm during the Great Depression, and they were one of the first households to get a, a radio. There were two competing feed companies out of Shenandoah, Iowa, Henry Field and Earl May Nursery, and each of them owned a radio station, KFNF versus KMA. And one was a Democrat, one was a Republican. And they would get on the radio as their damn radio station. They'd get on and they'd talk for hours if they wanted to. And they'd compete against each other, trying to reach the farmers in that area and sell
0: them feed and seed and stuff. So he learned from them. Did he use his real name or did he have a like farmer, <laughs> Farmer Ted or what was he? What was his name? Oh, so he, he definitely used his
2: name. That was Gene Beething. Yes.
0: And um, it, it wasn't like uh, your friends were listening to that radio station, were they? Did they no, know? No, yeah. it was the
2: farmers and the grownups that were listening. They would hear the noon, they'd hear his marker report, and then they'd hear the noon news, which would tell them who died, who was admitted to the hospital, and what was going on at the high school that week, and the press release from the, the local county agent about how you really should irrigate more or whatever. And so what, what was your radio station? What were you listening to? Here's a, a story you can edit. Um <laughs> When I was a kid, there was a DJ on, well, let's start with the first guy that was on W.O.W. in Omaha. The morning guy was named Jimmy O'Neill. And he had been a big DJ in here in Los Angeles uh, before that and wound up in Omaha, Uh-oh. which, yeah. And he had been, he was host of Shindig on NBC TV when he was a DJ here in Los Angeles.
3: And now, here is your Shindig host. Jimmy O'Neill. <laughs> Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. How are y'all, Well, tonight is our very last Chimdigger, and we're going out with a bang. And boy, we got a bang-up cast for you. Starring Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas, The Who, Dave Barry, Ian Whitcomb, Sandy Shaw, The Kinks, The Fahrenheit Knights, Twinkle, and, of course, our Arm Blossoms and Wellington. And so, what do you say we get ready to live it up? Because here we go with our kickoff tune tonight called I Can't Explain And Here to sing it,
2: he, God bless him. He had some personal problems, as in he didn't always make it to work from various things, which I think he was pretty public about in his later years. And and uh, he found meetings and got help and all of that. But that's how he landed in Omaha. He landed in lots of different cities. I thought he was somebody because mm-hmm. he was from L.A. And he had met the Beatles and he knew Sonny and Cher. He was big stuff. And he'd been on a TV show, but he was the old school kind of top 40 DJ that was kind of yuckster, I think is what we've <laughs> kind of in the business referred to that type of person. And oh, wait, his trademark was howdy high. It's you're on the go with J.O. Anyway, so when he went over to COIL, actually to K-O-I-L, they replaced him in mornings with this guy, Dave Wingert. Who was the exact opposite. He was the first time I'd heard a DJ on a station that was just really down to earth. And he was himself. He was a Jewish gay guy. And the second part was probably not well known at the time. And a theater guy. He liked to do Omaha theater and stuff, community theater but he was just as natural and personable as could be the opposite. And I thought that was really cool that he was, I was hearing somebody really be themselves on the radio.
0: Oh, it's spring forward. That's it spring forward. you set the clock ahead.
3: So so we lose an hour. Isn't that right? I hope. 19 to 8. 7.41. This is a date on my calendar of events in 1789 when the famous Mutiny on the Bounty occurred. The crew of the HMS Bounty led by Fletcher Christian Mr. Christian Rebelled against the ship's Captain William Bly. Oh, Willie Bly uh, is is my boss's hero. Eric Fox sets aside Bly Day once a year. Fox, you might have heard of our program director. He's he's mentioned even in the history books as the only guy ever to have been kicked
0: in the groin by Mahatma Gandhi.
2: Years later, I'm at a radio convention. And I'm in the the line at the... Beverly Hilton hotel uh, for scrambled eggs in the morning. And Dave Wingard is right in front of me in line. And I recognize him from his old headshots and said, Oh my God, it's Dave Wingard from 59 WOW," And he, my God. And he turns to me and he says, who are you? And so we got to know each other and <laughs> kept in touch he, like people in radio do, he was between jobs at one point. And I knew somebody that was running a radio station, an oldies radio station in Omaha, who was not an Omaha native. And I'm talking with her one day and I go, you ever hear of Dave Wingert?" She said, no, uh-uh. who's, who's that? I said, D- do me a favor. Ask the people around the radio station that are Omaha natives who Dave Wingert is. And let's talk in a week. So she did, and we talked a week later. And she says, "Oh yeah, people remember Dave Wingert here. He's he was he was something back in the day, right?" I go, "Well, he's available, and what if you brought him back on an oldie station? That would be kind of cool, right?" So she did, and I get a phone call from Dave, and this is actually making me tear up a little bit right now. I get a phone call from Dave, who says, "You know how radio people." move from city to city and up town to town, up and down the dial, as they say in the WKRP theme song. (laughs) And he's in his sixties at this point, for sure. And at least, and he says, he says, he calls me up and he is crying himself and he says, I didn't know that I had a hometown. This is my hometown and I am home and I'm going to finish my career here. It was the best thing. Yeah. That's better than my story about
0: my dad. Yeah. I yeah. That, I don't know. We're ke- he, Yeah. Cool. We're keeping that one in. Radio is a weird business in that everyone, you start in one place because you want to get out of there. You know, like this right. is, you know, it's the minor leagues. You want to get to a big market usually is, I mean, was that right. your, was that your game plan?
2: I guess. Yeah. As opportunities came along, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. To, to advance, you pretty much have to move. Right. Um, at least you did back in those days. Yeah. So yeah, this the hometown, Falls City, Nebraska, KTNC. We actually had a competitor in a nearby town, KNZA. I went to work for them for a little while. That guy would hire me full time, which was like, what? He would hire me full time in the summers to do his vacation relief for other people. He was very, very nice and really believed in my potential, and and he had an on-air background, which was unusual in the small town radio. So one day there was nobody on vacation at his radio station, so there's nobody for me to sub with. He says, "Come on, we're taking a ride. Get you back by eight o'clock tonight. Is that okay? Yeah, okay." So we go over into Missouri, and he shows me this radio station, and he asked me to be general manager of a radio station at 19 years old. He was buying that station, so I did. I did that for a year. It drove me crazy because. I enjoyed the work, but living in a small town like where I grew up, but not my small town was a completely different experience. And being on the radio in the morning and being that kid that, you know, I remember Cheers was a big TV show at the time. And I remember the theme song from Cheers playing. And sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And I remember hearing that and going, I want to be someplace where they don't know my name. I don't want to be, so, you know, that's the exact opposite of what I want. So anyway, moved back to, I guess it was back because I'd done one year of school to uh, Lincoln to go resume at the University of Nebraska and work full time at a station there. So Lincoln for about five years, mornings and programming a news talk station at now 20, 21 years old was a great experience because Lincoln's a small city, but it's a college town and state capital, so I had Dick Cavett on my show. I had, which was his hometown. Uh-huh. I had the, the the big football coach who was the biggest celebrity in Nebraska at any given time, Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne, yes, I mean, go yeah. Go. Who <laughs> then became a congressman from Nebraska because <laughs> you're a god if you're winning football games right. in Nebraska. Bob Kerry, U.S. Senator and Governor, who was dating actress Deborah Winger at the time because they filmed Terms of Endearment there mm-hmm. and. She got in trouble because she got pulled over by a state trooper driving the governor's limo uh, one day. And working with the crazy used car dealer, Weird Wally, uh, I raised money to buy her a car for when she was in like in a winger dinger. And um, we presented her with a car. And it was a, just a great mm-hmm. place to do crazy, fun things and make lots of mistakes. But yet there was enough content around in a, that type of town that you could do things. And then Tulsa, Oklahoma for three years, a news talk station there where I was Ryan O'Brien on the air, a name I hated because it sounded like I was Ronald McDonald's cousin or something.
0: Who gave you that name?
2: You know, (laughs) I was going for Dave O'Brien, using my actual first name, and I just thought, this this was an era where everybody's supposed to have a game show host type name on the air, which was stupid. So I was going to be Dave O'Brien, but I had already worked at the station before I went on the air. I'd already been there almost a year programming it. So by the time I got on the air, people knew me around the radio station as Dave Beasing, of course. And the morning guy, John Erling, Erling in the Morning, who also used to work in Omaha. John had been number one for 15 years, and he did another 20 years before he hung it up. He was huge in Tulsa. And John got impatient trying to remember my stupid air name, Dave O'Brien. And so he'd come up with O'Brien, and he would just spout out. He'd go, okay, up next, it's Ryan O'Brien, partly just to piss me off, right? And it was a news talk station. So I take these phone calls from listeners live on the air and they would go, Ryan. And about the second or third day it, where every caller was saying, Ryan, how are you? At? I just went, I'm fine. You know, okay. I wouldn't correct them anymore. I was Ryan O'Brien. I got to be grand marshal of the St. Patrick's Day parade because I was an O'Brien. So that's there good. There
0: go. An honorary member. All right.
1: <laughs> what if they were to find out you weren't really an O'Brien?
2: You
0: know, it was close because they
2: asked. I remember at that parade, somebody asking me, Well, I'm an O'Brien, what part of Ireland is your family from? And I'm like, Well, Nebraska, you know. <laughs> okay, so Tulsa, and then um, <laughs> this is where you put the little fast forward noise. Yeah. Uh, Detroit for three years, uh, programming a. Uh, soft AC, easy listening station, light FM.
0: Okay. So this and, was your first, because you were working news. So th- did you always want to yeah. work music? Was that your, where your passion was? Or I did would it matter? Go,
2: I wouldn't have mattered to me if it was a big, in Tulsa to it, radio and records would sometimes refer to, um, you know, it would print all the job changes. And for that week, I was the leap of the week uh, from Tulsa to Detroit. so I went to Detroit for three years and then, I was going to get fired there. There was absolutely no doubt about it. I could smell it because the general manager who had hired me had been blown out and the corporate guy out of New York didn't like anything associated with the old guy. So um, the general manager of the co-owned station, this was Viacom Radio, the co-owned station here in Los Angeles, Bob Griffith had met me at managers meetings and he he could smell it coming too. and he says you got to come out here cuz you're a good guy. So I moved to LA and that was great. So that's how I got out here. That was in um 93. I was hired to do 100.3 which was an easy listening station at the time. It was called KXEZ Easy 100.3. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, one of the many formats and call it sets call letters on 100.3. And if you stay in Los Angeles long enough, you get to program 100.3 twice. So (laughs) years later, I got hired to do 100.3 for a different company in a different, completely different location and different format, of course. And the chief engineer was still there. So. Yeah. Nice. And he met me at the door on my first day and looks at his watch and says, where you been?
1: So <laughs>
0: that's uh, awesome.
2: <laughs> love Long <it>. lunch. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. And so while it lasted, but uh, but then eventually they wanted to get ratings. And so right before we blew it up, you want to hear the Hugh Grant story? Hugh Grant, you may recall, got arrested for hiring a hooker on Sunset Boulevard. And they both got busted. So she was a person who was known by the name of Divine Brown. Your tabloid memories come flooding back. So Divine Brown gave an interview to a British tabloid, paid the interview, of course, where she told the story of getting picked up by Hugh Grant and everything and she said that he was kind of rough with her and that he was apparently into rough stuff and this seemed very odd to her because he was listening to easy 100.3 an easy listening station soft music and yet he was rough so <laughs> we're like okay we don't know how long we're going to stick with this format or you know what's going to go on anyway so I contacted her through her criminal attorney and hired her to do a TV commercial for Easy 100.3, right. where she told the story and, and, and all of that. And we bought one commercial to play it on TV so that we could say we bought a schedule and released this commercial before it was really actually on the air paid that one time. We released it to, to everybody. I started it with Sam Rubin over at Channel 5, who's remained a friend since. And it blew up everywhere. Everybody was playing the Divine Brown commercial for Easy 100.3 in the news. And they'd play little snippets, snippets of it, of her standing next to our logo and everything, uh, Styrofoam logo, all throughout prime time for a night. And it was crazy. Uh, Entertainment Tonight. Oh I my mean, God! I've never seen what. What was her name? That was the longtime female co-host on Entertainment Tonight, Mary, Mary Hart. Mary
0: Hart. Mary Hart.
2: Yes. There was silence after they played that commercial in its entirety on Entertainment Tonight. There was silence. Her jaw hit the desk. It was like, and she literally said, "I think she, or the quote was, now 'Now I've seen everything.' Genius! You're so smart. Your claim about, to fame. Uh, yeah. This yeah year no, year that was, was so fame. fun. Yeah. That's yeah, it. it. It doesn't exist on YouTube now. It's it's pre-internet era. Really? And I've got it on some VHS tape, but I think the rats crapped on it in that shed. So I was like, up, uh, upload that. Come on. We got to see. We got to <laughs> yeah. put that on YouTube. The, that is brilliant. I wrote the commercial and it was the way it went was something like, oh, it was VO. There was a guy explaining the background on what she told the tabloid and everything. And then he says, tell them, divine. And her line at the end was, Easy, 100.3 is the perfect station to listen to close up while you work. So that was a lot of fun. And we got so much press out of it. The president of the company was on vacation in Hawaii, and he calls me in the middle of this, and he says... So, how's it going? I said, Oh my God, the press last night, so on and so on. He says, You know, but the phone is ringing, and there's some people that think we shouldn't have hired her, and so forth and so on. I really think, I said, I said, we. Th- I think we need to apologize and say we've canceled our schedule. We're not going to run this commercial anymore. It already played once and apologize. And he says, Don't apologize for shit, man. And I said, Fig, Bill Fig and Shoe, Fig we would be all over TV again tonight if we throw a press conference and say that. And he says, do what you got to do. So we
0: <laughs> That's-
2: so we got another night of
0: TV out of it. It was great. We are talking to the world famous Dave Beezing. Now we're going to review the songs that were played way back in 1987. But first, it's break time.
1: Welcome back to the What Difference Doesn't Make podcast and our guest Dave Beezing.
0: Uh, Should we talk about K-Rock? All right, so we're going to go to another classic radio station. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, 106.7 K-Rock. They had a radio <laughs> I station. Remember them. Are they still on? Now, I don't know. We're not sure yet, but we're I not sure. We'll have we'll them. have to do some research. But in the 80s, this was a station that we loved. And so we've been revisiting these songs at the end of the year. They had their 106.7 Top 106.7 songs of the year, and so we've been revisiting these songs. A lot of these have been lost for the ages, and it's always fun to revisit these songs. So it's fun, yeah. yeah it, it's fun. it is. It has been fun the songs so. I haven't heard before. <laughs> yeah, ah.
2: Not here in Los Angeles in 1987. There's a, there's a few here that, as far as I know, are
0: completely new to me. But it was fun to hear them, and then some other good memories brought up by the others. Very good. Okay, I'll, just as a quick refresher, in 1987, where was a young Dave Beezing?
2: I was in Lincoln, well, I was Lincoln to Tulsa, so first part of the year in Lincoln and last part of the year in, in uh, Tulsa.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, I was doing news talk both places. I loved this kind of music, and thanks to my buddy Jim Goddess and his boombox, I heard a lot of it that he turned me on to, and I thought he was the only person in the world that knew these songs.
0: yeah. Uh first song number eighty, Susie and the Banshees doing a cover of This Wheels on Fire.
1: If your memory serves you well, we were gonna meet again and work it. So I'm going to
0: Okay, first of all, do you remember Dylan's version? Did you know the band?
2: Yeah, uh, the Dylan version, I think I I recalled. And it certainly does sound like Susie, This uh, and the Banshees too, uh, this version. Of course, everyone's, not everyone, but everyone's favorite Dylan cover is, there's so many. Probably the biggest one was All Along the Watchtower.
0: Oh, okay. See, see, we were going to (laughs) go someone like you. I know there's so many, but yeah. Yeah, There's so many. Did you see, by the way, the We Are the World
2: documentary on Netflix
0: oh, can't stop talking about it. <laughs> no. Okay, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, we love Dylan plays a very Dylan esque role in that. I yeah, I love that Stevie Wonder had to impersonate Dylan to tell him how to how to sing this song. is great.
2: I guess it goes to show all of us that you can even be Bob Dylan and feel completely out of place somewhere where you actually belonged more than anyone. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So okay, so back to Wheels on Fire. I know you, Holly. You prefer the Susie version. Did you know? I do. Yeah, I, I think it's probably because that was the one you're you heard originally. So it it was always like the original for you.
2: Whatever, whatever you're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It is. Yes, I mean, I was a Susie fan from day one. So yes, I I definitely prefer this. It it feels more like her. It feels like it was meant for her. I watched all three ver. I watched listened to the Julie Driscoll version also and. It felt like Susie to me. If your memory serves you well We were gonna meet again and wait So I'm going to unpack all my things And sit before
3: it gets too late I
1: don't know. Maybe it's just because it's my per- personal preference. Do you have a, a preference? Well, yours is Dylan Dave Sloan, probably, right? Well, the, the band's version.
3: If your memory serves you well
0: always been okay one of a kind for both me. sides
2: both sides now judy
0: collins or oh
2: <laughs> that's a good one um joni you gotta go joni you gotta go joni especially now after the yeah. grammys this year for, yeah. for sure
1: yes but at judy collins i remember from my uh, uh, some of these songs you just remember from your ch- from your childhood my parents listened to this music so that was the first i'd heard was the judy collins and so Great i have version
2: actually yeah mm-hmm. and that that was the first one i heard yeah
1: Dave Beesing, do you have a preferred version of this song?
2: Of This Wheels on Fire? Wheels, yes. Not really. I'll go for the uh the Dylan because I don't think that I heard Susie that much back in the day.
0: Yeah. So growing up uh, in you're in Nebraska, I would imagine there there wasn't alternative radio. It was, it was mostly pop. So what were what were your artists? Who was who was like your Well your... in
2: Nebraska it was like um the, the big artists of course were like Edie Gourmet, blame it on the Bossa Nova was a big hit record there. Um, yes, well, thank you for laughing. Uh, no, a lot of these same bands. I was again, thanks to, to friends mostly. Cause it wasn't on the radio too much.
0: Did you go to any like shows as a kid, yes. know, as a teenager, like what, what's a concert that you remember going to that kind of flipped your head around?
2: <laughs> so well, the, the drumstick in Lincoln. When I was there, there was a club called the drumstick that served chicken by day and rock by night. And they had so many amazing bands that came through there. And I probably didn't know half of the people I was seeing at the time and the importance of them. But everybody from R.E.M., I, I don't know if it's like Woodstock, where I think I was there, but I think I saw R.E.M. at the drumstick. Uh, they had every the 10,000 Maniacs came through, Camper von Beethoven, and... Meat Puppets, and Dead Milkmen, and Husker Du, of course, Fine Midwestern Band, X, speaking of LA, was there, Replacements came through there. It was oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, in 86. And supposedly about a half hour in, Anthony Kiedis said, we've been up here for a half hour and nobody's passed us a joint yet. Um, But the drumstick was this place on 48th Street in Lincoln that only held like, I don't know, 500 if they were skinny um which we were back then i guess and so to see these bands it was it was it got a reputation i guess from the touring managers as being a stop that was halfway between like chicago and kansas city or dallas or whatever nice. so it drew these incredible bands that would play for it had to be next to
0: nothing well, that's awesome. that is a great
1: name the drumstick, yeah. for, for a yeah. chicken place and a and
0: a venue, music venue, sure, That's awesome, yeah. Probably five yeah. bucks to get in to the sh- to the club, something like that. Oh yeah, if that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. That, yeah,
2: that was a typical cover back then. Nice, yeah. love it. Lincoln was a great a great place to be in that era. It, it was a college town. As a young adult, it's the time of life where you really grow up, and it was great. Amazing.
0: Let's go to number seventy nine. Oingo Boingo, this L.A. band, and the song is called Pain. This is one of the first of four songs that Oingo Boingo has on this chart, which is kind of insane when you think, Oingo Boingo, really?
1: And welcome to my little world
3: Completely self-contained, yeah Your problems, they will
0: And you're in Lincoln, Nebraska. Do you know, have you ever heard the words Oingo or Boingo?
2: Yeah, I, I I got turned on into them somehow. I mean, this would have been a while before they broke bigger, but yeah, I think I was aware of them um, in, in Lincoln at the time. Of course, it's it's great being when I eventually did classic rock in L.A., that because of the K-Rock influence, you'd actually get to play some Oingo Boingo on a classic rock station. It was fantastic.
0: Mm.
2: (laughs) In fact, as I did my Googling, they did a jingle for K-Rock. This is
3: K-Rock 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 K-O-Q The only one who knows I'm just for you The only radio station worth listening to is K-Rock 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 k K-Rock 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 on your radio dial, there's all
1: the rock
0: and roll that should the you smile. I remember rock, they played that rock, the time. Remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, number 78, a band that is still touring. Echo and the Bunnymen, New Direction. I don't live.
3: Did you see what the cat dragged in? Take it on the chair. Catch a fire on a roof of 10. Learn to speak in your professing. The right to teach us our direction inspection true imperfection I'm looking for a new direction we're in the world of my eye. I took the wood the wood was resurrection and then it took me out to-
2: fan of this did you give a lesson I was offended that they were singing about a nude erection um oh. <laughs> thank you should I um. okay <laughs> uh it, yeah I like this this is this says a good energy and it and it really reflects kind of that
0: um dance-y sort of uh, k-rock sound from that era this was not actually a single yeah. k-rock just picked it up and like no, this is the best song off fit? the album. Yeah. Did you do that at, yeah. at the sound? Were you doing things like that? You no, know, at the sound, that was a
2: classic rock station through most of the run. So okay. we would play things that were a little more obscure, but hopefully still familiar, because that damn Nielsen PPM would uh, <laughs> punish you if you if you went too far off the ranch. But uh, but yeah, we would do that with the gold. The first current based station playing new music that I programmed personally not just consulted but programmed, was Star 98.7. And we were transitioning over to where we were at the time moving from being an Elton John, Billy Joel station to kind of a police and U2 station, speaking of, of uh, the K-Rock influence. And so even as a soccer mom station, we were able to play some alternative crossover kind of music or that's what the station basically became. Randy Lane was the program director before and he first made that transition, but they wouldn't give him any TV marketing money in the summertime because they made the flip in like June or something. And they wouldn't give it, they were like, no, we don't advertise in the summer, the summer. We never advertise in the summer. You're going to have to wait till the fall, the fall ratings book to give you any marketing. And of course he got blown out by the fall because the ratings weren't going down because the Elton John people and Billy Joel people weren't, weren't digging on the u2 so uh, i got the marketing in the fall and became a hero there you go they, they put me over that station in what, the fall what is the yeah.
0: secret to your success well yeah it's a little, yeah. a little scratch yeah, you know, there right yeah.
2: place right time yeah. exactly uh, and, and i remember kevin and bead on uh, the elevator we were in the same building and over 3500 west olive in burbank yeah. and kevin and beat at the elevator at giving me crap when I got on the elevator one day saying, Oh, how are things at K rock light? They said, and, uh, my comeback that I did not think of at the time only an hour or two later, damn it was, well, you know, bud light out
0: sells bud two to one. But anyway, Oh, very uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But very yeah, good. Yeah. Just a little, was... yeah. You wake up yeah, in the I middle know, of right? the night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it now I know what to say about it. Yeah, you're in the right? elevator with them the next time and you try it out. Like, what are you talking I, you know, about? <laughs> I was never on the elevator with him again. Number 77, The Smith's asked <laughs> Shyness is nice
1: and shyness can stop you From doing all the things in life you'd like to Shyness is nice and shyness can stop you I'm doing all the things in life you'd like to So if there's something you'd like to try If there's something you'd like to try Ask me, I won't say no How could I
0: Alright, Dave Beezing Ask, ask away Ask me, ask me oh, Ask you anything? <laughs> yeah, what can we, what can we ask you that you won't say no to? Oh my god that I won't say no to pizza. Yeah. Free pizza is good. Um, <laughs> Dave, can I, can I give you some free pizza? Me offer you a pizza? Can we give you a pizza as like a, a program director? Is there something that the talent that you want the talent to ask you or what it, what is like a good ask if you're like to improve yourself that you want to hear someone be concerned about? Well, what I get asked these days
2: is what's wrong with, radio you know i get that and then they offer their answers to the question and we won't go there because that's a, that's a whole nother podcast yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but uh you know sadly people are trying to figure out why radio ain't what it used to be uh in terms of its public support or its sure of zeitgeist all
0: right let me ask let's see let me ask you podcasts or radio what's what's your pre- preference now what do you listen to oh podcasts podcasts yeah. okay yeah Yeah, definitely. And
2: this past year, Edison Research says the graph, the lines crossed between linear audio and on-demand audio. So streaming where you are not paying to have your choice, you've got to listen to what's coming next, like the free version of Mm -hmm. Pandora and Spotify. That and AM FM and all of the us to them, you get no choice. It's linear. That is now second to on-demand audio streaming, where you get a choice, or podcasts, or whatever that's on demand, and the lines are crossing, and it's not going back.
0: Yeah, that's just what we expect. I want, you know, like I listen to a Howard Stern interview, I want to just listen to to him talk to Billy Joel. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and so I just yep. pull it up immediately, and it's great, you know, and it's there, and it's yep. there. Yeah, changing times. Okay, mm. all right, uh, seventy-six. Brian Ferry, The Right Stuff.
2: Got your money taken.
0: sophisticated pop. Do you like sophisticated pop? Are you a fan? I'm uh, all my
2: music has to be sophisticated, you know, country, whatever. Yeah. You know. Well, like uh, <laughs>
1: Stephen Eadie, isn't that what you, you're...
2: <laughs> yeah. Eadie, yeah. I did not recognize this song, but it sure does sound like Brian Ferry. Yeah.
0: This is uh, Holly has Johnny Marr playing guitar on there and uh, he co-wrote yeah. it, co-wrote yeah. it. Thank <laughs> you for educating me on this. Friend of the show, Guy Pratt also plays on this song.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, Brian Ferry was a blitz kid. He went to a club. I was trying to like yeah, kind of figure out what, where you think would hate. Brian
2: Ferry ever played the drumstick. Um <laughs> not he's not on the t shirt. It was the drumstick was was incredible. The other good place in Lincoln was uh, the zoo bar. And I think that one's still there in downtown.
0: Z O O bar? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was there a zoo theme to it? Were there animals? In case, or no, it was really more of a blues bar, okay. but the
2: tables were those giant cable spools, you know, like yeah. when, when for overhead electrical wire and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they, they would come on these big wooden cable uh, spools. And uh, those were the tables at the zoo bar. And uh, I remember like Jack Mack and the heart attack and people like that would jump from table to table on those and just play all over the place, the saxophone player or whoever. It's great,
1: Dave. You asked, is it Z O O? How else would you spell Zoo Bar? I'm just curious.
0: <laughs> you know, it was the 80s. Everyone like Z U. It was, you know, oh. every Yeah, I could have been trying to go for a cool. Yeah, thing all there. you know, W. Every band name ha- ended in a Z back in the 80s. You know, mm. the hair metal bands. It was all Panthers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, no right. one spelled their name correctly. That's that's. Okay. You know, I thought there were always two men. You're right, just mm. trying to be edgy. Yeah. <laughs> Number 75 is the other Astley, John Astley. Jane's getting serious. I like to get out with my partner in crime. We love to dress up, have ourselves a
1: good time. We have an understanding she could never be mine. We get on so well, there is no pressure on us. It's a relationship. Entirely on trust, no complications. You would not see me for dust.
3: Come around eleven, and it's time to get home. I'm
1: going her way, and I can't leave her alone. But she's looking at me as if I'm something she owns. Oh, James, getting serious. Getting serious.
0: Do you remember this song? Do you remember the commercial with Matt LeBlanc yes. that, that this was from? Yes. <laughs> this was featured definitely. That
2: is featured on. I did not. That is a classic commercial. I don't know as I remember it from seeing it originally, but I've seen it since, of course, because of the notoriety uh, <laughs> that happened to Matt LeBlanc. He definitely has a how
0: you doing uh, sort of a look at the end there with how you, how you liking your hot dog kind of a <laughs> look on his face. All right. As a Nebraska guy, he Matt LeBlanc in this Heinz commercial is putting ketchup on a hot dog, which is you can't do that. Is is that correct? Do you agree with that, Dave Beasing? You can't put ketchup on a hot dog. No, in Nebraska. No, no, just ketchup on, on, on at all. Just it shouldn't be. It's just must you put mustard, onions, relish, chili, great, but okay. but not ketchup. Never.
1: Yes, I put get- ketchup do and
0: mustard. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's, yeah. it's, okay. okay. Well, incorrect.
1: Somehow, yeah. oh.
2: You can you can eat ketchup on anything. You can eat it with a straw. No,
0: okay. which you probably did. <laughs> you probably did as a kid. I'm sure.
1: I gotta stop there.
0: I don't <laughs> I do love the the song though. Jane's getting sick like all of a sudden like, mm-hmm. hey, we're having fun. We're dating. Things are great then all of a sudden like i'm in a relationship what's going on and suddenly you realize ketchup on a hot dog is blasphemous but uh, you know <laughs> you do <laughs> gotta keep moving number 74 erasure sometimes
3: Thinking about you, I just couldn't wait to see. Fling my arms around you, sweet, falling in ecstasy. Ooh, sometimes the truth is harder than the thing inside. Yeah, ooh, sometimes it's too broken heart that
0: decides. Who doesn't love the dance? Do you love the erasure? Do you go to the clubs? Sure. Do you. Yeah, and this is very Erasure.
1: Okay, were you a fan of this kind of music? I heard
2: some Erasure back in in Nebraska at the time. I even knew who Andy Bell and Vince Clark were by name. So just to impress you there, (laughs) you know, it scares me to think about those college students or farm kids from Western Nebraska at a dance club. Talk about, and I would have been one of them with an overbite.
0: Yeah, was it like footloose? I'd like to think like you were living a footloose life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah well, right? actually you've set me up for another story oh uh, here we go please. all right
2: mm-hmm. um the town that i'm from fall city didn't have a problem with dancing but they sure had a problem with some things the movie boys don't cry that was big the big breakthrough for hillary swank mm-hmm. based on a true story that happened in my hometown is that right? In fact, the county attorney who prosecuted that case lives in the house I grew up in. Oh. You don't want to cross dress in a small town in Nebraska, no. sadly.
0: Okay, let's keep moving number 73 Lovin' Rockets, all in my mm-hmm. mind. rockets do you remember this song at all
2: i didn't remember this song i did not no i will I'll be honest i liked the did it did it did it uh, part yeah
1: it's funny that you, you when you what whatever you were listening to at the time you just think every like for us oingo boingo it's so hard to imagine that not everybody was listening to oingo boingo but Lovin rockets was so also i remember at that time being so like prominent you know front
0: and center well, yeah, because we were listening to K Rock and K Rock played yeah. played a lot of Lovin' and Rockets and they you know, so that was very regional yeah at the time. Yeah. And and, mm-hmm. and influential. You just influential, uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Like with Holly, you know, you hear this song and just assume that it's a huge, huge hit.
2: But yeah. you know Well oh, and but, so many of these bands, I mean when you you, you giving K Rock its props as you guys do with this whole thing. If it had not been K-Rock, if it had not been for Rick Carroll, the program director at the time, it, the, who knows if these bands, if if they would have ever circulated to the point where, you know, never mind the song, but would Dave Beesing in Nebraska have ever heard of Love and
0: Rockets without K-Rock? No, probably not. Yeah. Flesh for Lulu, I Go Crazy, number 72. <laughs> From the Some Kind of Wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. Do you remember it, Holly? Did you see Some Kind of Wonderful?
1: Oh, I love this song. I love this band. <laughs> I loved uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, who was in Some Kind of Wonderful. Yeah. I really like this band, and I loved this song, and I looked, searched for it on Spotify years ago. I wanted to put it on a playlist, and it was not available. And it is available now. This is my favorite song by them. We played another one last okay. week.
0: Yeah, the Siamese twist was last week. Yeah. That was a, they were trying to create it was like a dance craze. Remember when you were doing the Siamese twist? Of course. <laughs> Everyone was. You yeah. go you well, go to my brother and her. I used to do it together. Sure. We had no choice. Yeah, you go to the zoo bar and you do the Siamese twist. Everyone did that. <laughs> okay. Hey, we've made it to uh, our last chunk. Number seventy-one, lions and ghosts contradiction.
3: Like dancing on
0: This was a band. We talked to the singer of Lions and Ghosts. They played in L.A. all the time. He says he thinks they opened up for every single band in L.A. Which, and I think Holly and I both were like, "Yeah, I think we saw you guys." But you know, Michael Lockwood. Michael Lockwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want to hear a fun fact about Michael Lockwood? Please. He was. Always. He was married to Lisa Marie Presley. What? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Before or after Michael? It, in between, Michael. in between the two, he was, he was her second husband, second, and they had two kids together.
1: Twins. They have twins that are wow teenagers uh, now.
0: Yeah, that is some good trivia. He came to my garage like I had almost yeah. Elvis. Like it's kind of someone related to the Presleys in my garage. Yeah. It's very cool. Wow.
1: Lyndon goes veers off some of the K Rock. I was very surprised to find them on the K Rock
0: list. It was they were an LA band. It was kind of trendy. You know, they were played LA yeah. a lot. I'm sure they. Yeah, that's probably why they did what they needed to do to get some airplay. (laughs) That didn't sound right, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, you know, K Rock supported local music, so sure. And so, how does it hold up today? (laughs) It's actually pretty catchy. Yeah, it's pretty catchy, and I mean that in a good way. All right, fun times with Dave. This was a different Dave. Dave was here. We had two Daves here. That's fun.
1: We should have identified you as dave one and dave two like you did holly knight was a guest on the podcast love hearing the perspective of a midwesterner about some of these songs like oingo boingo and flesh for lulu it's always fun to hear from people who are maybe you know experienced it in a different way than we did sure it's also refreshing to hear how passionate they are about the music the business of radio And just their genuine, genuineness about it comes out. And I I think that's really enjoyable.
0: I agree. I uh, also agree that you should subscribe to our podcast. Do you agree to that philosophy, Holly?
1: Oh, I I subscribe to that philosophy completely, just like you should subscribe to our podcast. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter while you're in the subscribing mode to our newsletter at WDDIMpodcast.com.
0: We have a new episode every Friday, so yeah, subscriptions are great. We're in the middle of our countdown, so next week we're going to have someone new and exciting and thrilling, and we never know what's going to happen. So you got to subscribe and find out what's coming up. Because we know you want to be
1: surprised,
0: right? <laughs> who, who doesn't love a good <laughs> surprise? Okay, so surprise, this episode is ending right now. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. I'll check you later. Over and out.